0: this time I'd like to invite, uh, if there are any children ages kindergarten through second grade, uh, to exit uh, to my right by the piano uh, to hear the special lesson that the Lord has for you today. For the rest of you, good morning. I love that part. I I hope you're doing well today. If you're visiting with us, Uh, You're coming uh, on a very good day. We are very glad that you are here. Uh, You're joining us as we have been working through Philippians. We're in uh, week four of a nine-week study. And throughout our study, we've been looking at basically what Paul has to say about the advance of the gospel. We've been looking at what Paul has to say in regards to the Philippian church... Having a committed mindset, a committed mindset to becoming more like Christ, to discipleship training. We've been talking a lot about the advance of the gospel, and the reason we've been talking about the advance of the gospel is because, as you recall, by and large, the Philippian church gets it. They're a church that has been in partnership with Paul from the beginning in regards to the gospel. So we've looked at what it means to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We've talked about unity. We've talked about unity in the face of opposition. We've talked about unity in suffering. We've talked about how unity is characterized by spiritual oneness in the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how unity is characterized with the purpose of advancing Christ. We've talked about how unity is seen in... You and I serving each other. We've been talking about the advance of the gospel. We haven't talked a lot about the foundational message of the gospel. But today we will. We've talked a lot about the rich resources in Christ. We have not talked a lot about the cross. But today we will. We have talked a lot about growing in Christ. But we have not talked a lot about becoming united with Christ. But today we will. We have talked a lot about the advance of the gospel. But today, today we are going to talk about the gospel. We are blessed today for we have a moment here to look at one of those rare, beautiful passages. All of Scripture, all of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is inspired. But there are some passages, some Scripture that just drip with the juice of the fruit of the gospel. Today is one of those days. Today, we catch Paul at his finest hour, I believe, as he talks about his Lord and the cross. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians 2, starting with verse 1. Philippians 2, starting with verse 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1162. Philippians 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now we come to what we'll look at today. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. to the glory of God, the Father. Lord, we just pray to you today. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to understand. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to understand. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to understand. I had to start with verse 1 because I think it's important to remember the context and the flow of what is happening here. This, verse 5 through 11, is such an enormous passage. Volumes have been written about this passage. Entire studies are committed to this passage. When I was working on what to preach, I contemplated just doing this passage. And the danger in that is you pull it out of context. You might miss why it's here to begin with. In verses 1 through 4, Paul was exhorting the Philippians to humbly serve one another. The emphasis was in their willing to consider others before themselves, not selfish ambition, not vain conceit. And as an example of that, Paul reminds them of their Lord. And I think it's important that we keep that in the forefront as we look at this study, that we remind ourselves that we are looking at Christ as an example of humility. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature, God. Who being in very nature, God. It's in first position. It's it's the presupposition from which the meaning of all the rest makes sense. Christ is God. Christ has always been God. Christ will always be God. It does not say Christ is a God. This isn't Jesus is a God as some heretical groups might have you believe. No, as we talked about last week, in the Jewish monotheistic idea, there was God and not God. There was creator and created. There's no room for God and some other gods. There's just simply God. And Paul wants us to know from the very beginning that Christ before history in that pre-eternity before creation, before time itself that Christ was fully, equally God. And I think we would do well to contemplate on that a bit. So what does that mean? Well, Scripture teaches us that God is the only being that is completely self-sustaining. All other beings depend on Him for life, but God is completely self-sustaining. Scripture teaches us that God is not limited by space. Scripture teaches us that God is not limited by time. Scripture teaches us that God created all things that nothing exists except by God. And Christ was fully God. The full perfect representation of God. Full equality with God. One equal. And yet who Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servant, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Christ, with all the divine prerogatives, with all the divine powers, Full divinity did not deem his divinity for his own purpose, for his own selfish ambition, for his own account. No, Christ did not deem equality with God something to grasp and use selfishly. You're seeing the nature of God starting to be revealed here. The nature of God is one of self-giving. Now, I think there's an interesting contrast with man there. And I don't know if it's the full background, but I believe you can hear an echo of the story of Adam and Eve here. The first man, the first woman. We are told in Genesis... Chapter 3, that Adam and Eve who were in the image of God, who were given a place of privilege, who were commanded to rule creation, to rule the beasts, to rule the plants, to rule the fish, to rule everything that God had created. They were given a place of privilege. Yet in Genesis 3, what do they do? They grasp the one mandate they were given not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. The one man that they were given, they grasped it. And why? Because they wanted to be like God. Can't you see? You have man whose character is to grasp for selfish ambition to be like God. And then you have the Son of God who is fully, equally God who doesn't see it as something to grasp. Our Lord was exalted. Our Lord was on high. Our Lord was in the heavens. And yet, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of his servant being made in human likeness. Now a lot of debate happens about what is this making himself nothing? What did Christ give up? You know, what were the divine prerogatives he set aside when he became flesh? And I think those are interesting discussions. And I think those are discussions for other verses, not for this text. This isn't saying Christ emptied himself of this or Christ emptied himself of that. It's saying Christ emptied himself. He made Himself nothing. The exalted God made Himself nothing. The Creator made Himself nothing. The One who is beyond time, beyond space, made Himself nothing. He humbled Himself. And we know that in history because He became flesh. His humility was shown that He became Flesh. The great scandal is that the one who is fully divine, who is fully God became fully human without ceasing to be fully God. He humbled himself on high became flesh. And being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross it's interesting isn't it when when you would think of a god becoming a man in mythology usually that god becomes a warrior a king with mighty lands a caesar yet what did the son of god become he became a servant peasant. Born in a manger. Born surrounded by livestock. Born the son of a carpenter. Born with no rights. Born with no privileges. Born with no advantage. You can see the the constant descending, the condescension of God. He was God. He became flesh. He became a servant. He became obedient unto death. This is the only time, except for one other spot, there are only two times that Paul talks about Christ's death in terms of obedience. The other time is in Romans, where Paul writes... For through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, many were made sinners. But through the obedience of the one man, many were made righteous. You have a beautiful glimpse here of the inner workings of the mysterious Trinity. That God the Son who is fully God, is obedient to God the Father. You have such a picture of the revelation of God. It is self-giving. And the Son of God is obedient. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And praise God that the Son so loved the Father that He obeyed. That the Son obeyed. That the Son was willing to empty himself of everything, was willing to become flesh, was willing to become a servant, was willing to be beat, was willing to be ridiculed, was willing to be rejected, and was willing to die. Even a death on the cross. Now the cross has lost a little bit of its stand 2000 years later the cross we have jewelry that's crosses we knit crosses into blankets you know the cross has become more you know symbolic it doesn't appall us to the Philippian church the cross the method of execution by the state would have been offensive. You see, the Philippians, actually, the Philippians, as citizens of Rome, had they been guilty of treason, they would not have had to suffer the shame of the cross. They would have been beheaded. The cross was reserved for the lowliest of people. The lowliest of people. And yet, God hung on one. How can the Son of God hang on a cross? doesn't make sense. A cross. I mean, a cross is a slave's cross. A cross is a traitor's cross. A cross is a peasant's cross. But on that Friday, the cross was God's cross. He was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And why? Because I, you, we are sinners, are enemies of God. We God, we disobeyed God, we sinned against God. And as such, there was but one just judgment, death. One just judgment, the wrath of God. And yet, God was pleased to provide a way to satisfy that judgment so that we might be forgiven. And that was the death of His Son. On that cross, the One through whom all things were created, on that cross, creation killed its Creator. But on that cross the judgment and wrath of God was satisfied. And you, me, we, by faith, by submitting to the Lord Jesus, by confessing that we are sinners, we can accept that sacrifice. When God looks at us, By faith, he won't see us. He'll see his son, the perfect sacrifice. He humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. On that Friday, God died, the Son of God on the cross. But Sunday dawned. It doesn't end with that Friday. Sunday dawned. And the Lord rose from the dead. God raised his son from the dead. God brought him back to the right hand. Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place. Look here, even in that, even in those words, you don't have Christ grasping and struggling and pulling Himself up to what he deserves. No. He is still the humble one. God the Father lifts him up. It's not a reward for obedience. This isn't what you're reading here. What you're seeing is how Christ on high descended, 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 descended and then God said amen to his obedience said yes to the Son's perfect representation of who God is, said yes to the Son's willing to obey that plan that has been in the work for ages to come, said yes to it and lifted Him up. And the one who was obedient, the one who became a servant, the one who emptied Himself of everything, all of creation will pay Him homage. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now today, today, we can make that confession of faith and it is a mark of conversion. Today we can say, Jesus Christ is Lord and it is indicative of our belonging to Him. If you have not made that confession If you have not asked Jesus into your heart, if you have not accepted his sacrifice, if you have not proclaimed his lordship, do it today. Be a part of the citizen of heaven. But mind you, there will come a day when those who do not pay homage to him now will acknowledge his sovereignty. There will come a day when the whole created order will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. But that will not be a confession of faith. That will not be a confession of belonging to the kingdom of God. Make that confession today. Don't make the first time you say that that day. But I tell you, All will say, Jesus is Lord. And that's the breaking point for this world. Jesus is Lord is the shattering point for this world. The world does not reject talk of God, because the world has completely diluted any concept of God. God is now safe to talk about. But have you noticed when you mention the name Jesus? Jesus? The reactions you get change. People shift a little bit. They get a little bit uneasy. Maybe they get angry. Maybe they change the subject. Because you see, Jesus is exclusive. God is easy to talk about. Jesus means no compromise. Jesus is the truth, the life, the way. There's no compromise. When you advance the gospel, you advance Jesus. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God, friends. Praise God. We were sinners, yet we can stand cleansed. Praise God. We were enemies of God, yet we can be his children. Praise God. We were of this world, but we can be citizens of heaven. Praise God. We call him Lord, and our Lord humbled himself, obedient to death on a cross. Our Lord gave of himself for others. We call him Lord... And yet, we bicker among ourselves. We call him Lord because he gave of himself, and yet we seek our own agendas. We call him Lord because he was obedient, yet we want to have our way. We call him Lord, and yet, and yet, and yet, His obedience is why we call him Lord. His obedience should be how we show he is Lord. Thus is the way of the Master. So should be the way of the servant. It is a good day today. It is a wonderful day. Because we can call him Lord. Let us conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel.